You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, traders. Welcome to the number one pre-market prep show right here on Benzinga. I'm your host, Money Mitch. Let's go ahead. Let's dive on into today's show. We're going to look at dead cat bounce, everything rallying up right now, correlations to one, Bullard's comments, Elon, and of course, Doge Saga continues. We're seeing some action out there right now. We'll keep paying attention to what's going on. Kellogg's into three, Tesla layoffs, and of course, Lennar earnings. Stick around right here. We got a great guest for you today, Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist and Portfolio Manager at Hightower Advisors. Do me the favor, start us up today with a big thumbs on up. Hit the subscribe button and welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. I hope you guys are ready to get started. And of course, we can't get started without the boys. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on back my man, Joe L. Conan. Welcome to the show. And of course, none other than Triple D, Dennis Dick. How are we doing out there, boys? Uh, well, if you're basing it on the futures, uh, we're doing good. We're up 52 and a half handles, 37, 28 and a quarter. Rally started Sunday night and into Monday at 1 p.m., resumed at 6 p.m. I, let's, let's just talk about the pre-market high. That's it. 37.49. That's a big target. It's something we need to clear to keep this rally going. Are all side with the people that are saying this is just a dead cap bounce. Uh, we have crude in the green by two dollars and sixty-three cents at one ten sixty. Gold down five thirty, eighteen thirty-five thirty, silver up a nickel, twenty-one sixty-five. Bitcoin, we could probably talk about Bitcoin all day. Uh, that's up four eighty at twenty thousand nine fifty. And Ethereum futures, they're up sixty-one dollars at eleven thirty-nine. 
Triple D on Friday. I, I wasn't here on Friday. I can't talk to you about Friday and then uh, the long weekend and everything. Uh, who is not participating in this rally this morning? Oh, it's an everything rally, and you can look at the filters to see it. There's a couple stocks that got downgraded that are red, but I'm running a scanner here. 2,000 stocks are in there. I'm looking here. There's a few stocks trading in the red, um, but not a lot. I don't know what happened with Adobe. Um, that must be recent because it was not down here 20 minutes ago. Adobe is a new one to the down filter, trading down two bucks. But it, yeah, just moving and looking. It is an everything rally here this morning. We know we've talked about this. As volatility increases, correlations come into one. What does that mean? It means all stocks start moving together. A stock is a stock is a stock. And we saw this with the oil sell-off on Friday, playing catch-up. The oil stocks way, way weaker than oil because they're stocks. And we said, you know, when the going gets tough, they will start hammering all stocks. And we obviously saw them go through this, you know, the, the, the steel stocks, the staples, the utilities. Now they're hitting the oil stocks. You think you're safe in stocks? You are not. But nice rally for everything this morning. I do believe it's a dead cap bounce. And what does the dead cap bounce mean? If I just continue, nobody seems to want to jump in and start talking. <laughs> it means it's going to be a short-lived rally. You rallying them It means them just cats. bouncing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to come in here and get bullish right now and just say, yeah, this is the bottom. This is it. Because you know why it's hard? Because every time you've tried to do that in 2022, you have been wrong. I've tried a few times myself. I have been wrong. There's no reason to try to start calling a bottom here until we start seeing inflation data tick lower. So I'm playing the stay on cash sidelines game in the long-term account. The people are asking, what's the catalyst, right? What What's the specific catalyst? And I, I don't think there is. For today's rally? Yeah. Or for the overall sell-off? Uh, well, we have catalysts. Mitch has catalysts. We got catalysts. Okay, well, let's get into those for the catalyst. Bullard, Musk. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into the actual conversation here. Of course, uh, correlation is definitely going to be important when you're having uh, the kind of the market drive uh, stocks, essentially, here. Normally, it's kind of the other way. We usually get some stocks to kind of drive the market. Right now, everything's getting pulled by the market. Let's go into Buller's comments here and what he was talking about specifically. So this is going to be on comments that came on Monday um, and I think it's important to kind of keep on watch to see what's going on in the Fed. Of course, we got comments from uh, Chairman Jerome Powell. Now we're getting comments here. Uh, U.S. inflation is far too high. St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank President James Bullard said on Monday he repeated his case for increasing interest rates to 3.5. That's the basis end of the year that he's looking at. Um, he also said that uh, we need to get this down to neutral right now. Uh, the biggest reason why he's saying this is that he says that economic growth is expected to remain above its potential. He added that the economy won't fall into recession and that the unemployment rate now is at 3.6. And he actually could see it likely dropping below 3% this year. I would like to get there in the second half of this year. We have to move to get ahead of inflation running at triple the Fed's 2%. Uh, target. We're talking about bigger moves than we've made in a long time. Some policymakers have suggested the additional tightening coming from the Fed balance sheet decision might allow slower or fewer increases 
in the federal fund rate, but also changes to the balance sheet, however, have already absorbed the market. Um, and Bullard said that they shouldn't influence the Fed's rate decision. There's some comments from Bullard. And what else did you see out there, Dennis? There was a big one, too. He also said that we don't have as far to go on quantitative tightening as the market might think. And I think that was a big one, too, um, that the market took as bullish as well. But I mean, you don't always have to have a catalyst in this kind of volatile market. You know, you just didn't have any more real bad news over the weekend. We had Elon Musk coming out, kind of defending Dogecoin directly, kind of defending crypto altogether. So we saw crypto, Bitcoin, if it came in Friday night, it was getting hammered again, all the way down to under 18,000. It's come all the way back from those lows and it's back above 20,000. So crypto, you know, is a risk asset. You know, Bitcoin is a risk asset. You know, it's moving. You know, JC Pratt's we've had on the show. We love JC. JC, shout out if you're out there. I mean, you know, he, he tweeted out, you know, Bitcoin is basically a NASDAQ stock. And he put the correlation up there with the NASDAQ and Bitcoin, and they are right on top of each other for the last year. It wasn't up to this point, but there's so many of the same investors in the same type of stuff that Bitcoin is trading like a NASDAQ stock. And, you know, you see that rallying over. It's a driver. We've had, you know, we're way oversold on Bitcoin. You know, even though Mitch and I think it's going lower, you're way, way oversold. So you're due for a bounce. And even in the overall market, we're due for a little bounce. So we're going to get these little bounces. I still think these little bounces are selling opportunities, though. Can we just uh, take uh, all the, the fat heads and, and, uh, and Musk and just put them in a room and just lock the door and not have to deal with their tweets and influences in the market? Wouldn't, Wouldn't give us anything. We want to talk about it, though. It's fun to talk about, Joel. I, it's so hard. I mean, these comments, especially when the the markets are basically closed. I don't. I don't know what time uh, uh, Bullard made those comments. I mean, they could they come out favorable comments like this, and you you know you can't fight the tape on something like that. Uh, Brainerd could come out you know in the middle of the day today and say, oh, you know, we got a long ways to go. So it's. You know, if you're if you're if you're up, you're trading, you're reacting to those kind of headlines, then and you're quick and you can take advantage of it. But I don't see how you can, you know, make you know with the data, the current data that we have. I don't I don't see how you can say, uh, you know, we're we're in the clear. Unemployment's I think unemployment's going to go up a little bit, and I think that's what we want to see. I mean, just from the eyeball test. You know, companies have been laying off. I, you know, I know the numbers have uh, remained fairly strong, but uh, you know, the, the, well, you're the, seeing the odd one. And you said Tesla was announcing some layoffs. I did not yeah. see that headline. I didn't look for it either, though. But Tesla had a headline where they were laying off a few. Uh, I think it's more forced. of a commentary on what he already said. Yeah, yeah, we can go into that and cover that if you want to jump right into that. But um, we'll, we'll touch a little bit more about that and just coming up. Um, I got exacts for there. Um, what we got mainly in the update was there is the timeline. First okay. time we hear about the timeline. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Elon coming up here. Let's stay right here on the subject, though. I do want to take a look here at the overall spy to see if we are at least showing signs of like it was technical breakdown. I got Joel. Do I got spy. I, I, got you. I got, I got okay. something for us. I got something Let's for go. us at Let's least. Go. 
Okay. I'll show you right now. So really quickly, one of the things that I've been looking for, and I talked about it when we were over here in the 30s and 40s here yeah. on the RSI, um, that now we're really finally getting towards where I think are extreme lows on the RSI on the daily chart of the SPY. That's usually where I look at it. And I usually put a line on the top and bottom. And these lines don't necessarily are exact. What I usually do is I look back at the time and I'm looking for extreme moments, times where we get extremely oversold or overbought. And then so what I usually I put a line to define there of what I've seen extreme before. So now we're finally getting back into that on the oversold time. So even I'm here looking at a little bit more of a bullish quick rally here. Um, will this get us back to 42 Uh uh, 420s on the spy. I don't think it can go maybe that far, but it's 380 in reach. I definitely do think so potentially today. We'll Massively see. oversold. All the indicators are oversold. The problem is they can remain oversold for a long time. Well, and, you know, if you would have looked at this a week ago, which I think we did look a few days ago, we're oversold, but we keep selling off. But so we weren't. It's hard, we weren't hard technically. To say that we weren't because- technically. At least here on the daily. If you see here, even on those downside action, we were we were at RSI 39 and for oversold is 20. And so now we just hit yesterday on Friday, we hit 21.43 on the daily. Just kind of put that in there. So we just now gave a little bit more of a hard dip, at least on the RSI. Again, you know, I don't put any weight into RSI. I've never yeah. looked at it before. But I mean, Mitch, up to, to your, you know, obviously every trader's got their own tools. They work mm-hmm. for you. Continue to use them. I've yeah. always said that just because I don't use a tool doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means I don't, I've yeah, never not, needed it. It's not in your tool If I box. need to look at RSI to tell <laughs> if the market's oversold, I'm not trading enough. That's what I will tell you. And RSI is 100%. a good indicator if you're not watching the markets. But you know when the market's oversold. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're actively trading and you're a day trader, you can feel when the market's oversold. You don't need Great. an indicator to tell you. It's like the VIX. It's a useless indicator. I mean, I, I, you, you know volatility is increasing. You know there's going to be, you know, there's, the risk is up. I don't need the VIX to tell me that. So, I mean, and I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying if you're yeah. an active trader, there's a lot of tools that are in your, you know, in, that are built into yourself. And that's the whole thing about screen time and being there. And I think a lot of people really struggle that want to be full-time day traders because they're they're not in it enough. Like, I mean, I'm embedded in it. Joel, you talk about this too. I mean, how many times do you look at the S&P futures quotes over the weekend? I mean, how much? How many times do you just, you know, take a look down at your phone and look at the futures quotes? Take a ballpark guess over this weekend. How many times do you think you did it? And you had a busy uh, weekend, you know, with the funeral. Uh, yeah. and, and our condolences once again, Joel. But I'm just trying to make a point. Every like, couple hours. you know. Every couple I mean, hours. Uh, yeah. And same um, thing. I wake up in the middle of the night to pee. I always just check my phone. What are the futures doing? You know, I check it. And it takes me like two seconds. You know, but it's keeping me in the feel. It's giving me a feel for what's happening. The biggest asset that I have and why I'm profitable every month in my day trading and overnight trading is that I'm physically just giving it screen time so much that I'm like in the zone. And if I just take off and take and, and and take a week off and I have before, it takes me like three, four days to come back. So that's where RSI indicator might help me when I'm coming back in to get that feel back. But it's so important if you're an active trader to stay in it. I mean, I know when I even go to a hotel or something, I'm trying to trade. I don't have all my tools. I feel like I'm trading naked. And I was like, is this how a normal person feels? 
I mean, I'm paying so much for information, information, information. And, you know, there's so many traders out there that are trying to make money and pay nothing. I mean, you know, Mitch, this is, you know, a point that we've made on this show a lot of times here too. I mean, you can't be scared to, to pay money for information. So, I mean, if you need better charts, if you want your technical indicators, that that's what makes you feel, you know, like more like you're in the know, by all means, subscribe to that stuff. Yeah, so, so what I what I just said in the chat, I think is important because we got a whole bunch of mentions, you know, RSI and some people battling in the chat. What I always yeah. say is indicators are not what the word means. And I think that's the problem with the word itself. Indicator means it's indicating something like it's telling you foretelling yeah. something. And that's not what they're for, at least in my understanding. And I and I'm that's why I'm going for the CMT. And so what I use them for is description. And so what Dennis just kind of said kind of agrees to that. He says he doesn't need the description of the RSI because he already knows that the market's oversold. So he doesn't need an indicator to tell him that it is oversold. So essentially, we're both kind of seeing the markets oversold. I'm yeah. just using a mathematical level to give me the description there. But that doesn't mean that Dennis doesn't just see it already. And so I think it's actually supporting what Dennis is saying here. One thing I will go ahead and state though. Yeah, that's showing I my never, feel. Never I, I use an indicator that. for entry. I don't use that. It's not what it's for. Therefore, in my eyes, description only. They're to better understand charts than to actually use them in a objective manner where you're like, okay, every time it gets to 22, I'm in. That's not, at least, at least in my eyes, that's not what they're for. But, but to your point, Mitch, it's a good idea. Like, I mean, if you're not in the field and you're not in it and you can't feel, or oh, are we oversold or not, here's an indicator that's going to say, hey, we are oversold. So maybe for newer traders too, you know, not saying, you know, you've been mm -hmm. around a long time, you know, maybe like that, maybe don't, but you know, it may not be a bad tool in your toolbox. So, I mean, if you can't, you know, look at the markets and say, are we overbought or oversold? I mean, because maybe you're just a, you know, an, maybe you're an investor, maybe you're not you know, an active trader, maybe you got a day job. RSI might be a good tool to tell you that information that I'm just absorbing from my natural trading. So good point, Mitch. Yeah, just to kind of put a bow on this, I mean, I, you know, over the control. weekend, uh, you know, besides, you know, being able to check quotes, I mean, I, I, I had some, some screen time on Monday. I mean, we, I had some downtime, uh, you know, in between, uh, uh, you know, the, I don't want to say, uh, um, you know, the funerals and the shivas and stuff. And the markets were open till one o'clock yesterday. Right. And I was observing the price action and, and it got, you know, it took out Friday's high. I mean, so what I'm going to, I'm a, I'm just price baby last 37, 31 and a quarter. That's what I know. I know we took out Friday's high. I know we're above that. So I'm, first things first, we got to stay above Friday's high. If this is like the rally of rallies and we're just going to blast out of here and go back to, you know, 4,000, then we're going to have no problem taking out that 37.49. That's the current high in the market. But I don't think that's going to happen because we've had a, a, you know, a bigger range. And so since we've had a nice move off the bottom, right, in the S&Ps, we hit 39. The low of the move on <laughs> Friday was 36.39. We've had a 110-point rally. The simple math says to me, if we if if we pull back half of this move and let's call it uh you know this is called 3700 i would love the opportunity today to see this market pull back to 3700 try a much lower risk long in that area 
see if it can hold, and then go back and make a high. All these moves have counter moves. All these rallies have retracements. All these we haven't Thank had a, a meaningful retracement on the upside yet since uh, you know over the last what two weeks or whatever. But with every move, there's a counter move, and I'm always thinking, okay, so we had a rally. Is this rally for real? What does this rally have to do to prove to me? that we're out of the woods on this. And uh, so that, you know, that's what I'm looking at. RSI or, you know, um, stochastics or whatever. It's price. The price tells you, you're, when you're looking at your P&L, your price tells you if you're right, your price tells you if you're wrong. That's true. Price tells you, you know, if you, if, you know, sometimes you get, if you get stopped out, you get stopped out. That's it. That's the end of the trade. You move on. You need to, uh, uh, you know, reevaluate, but yeah. uh Good day, good night, good day and a half in the markets, and now now the market has to prove that, that this rally is for real coming off the low. All right, time to go ahead and dive on into everybody's favorite topic. It's uh, none other than the Dogecoin. Let's talk oh, about man. the Doge. Oh, let's you get guys take little, this one. A, a little bit about where this the hell one. is Dogecoin? What's uh, the price of this thing? Yeah, I need to look remember it, it was up. going to a dollar. I, I didn't even know if Joe could pull dollar. up the Doge. I, I would. You, I, didn't is, know I don't even know. I have no idea. I, let me look I know it's down. Let me look up a Doge chart. I got to look it up. Why do we you talk about Bitcoin? I don't even know why we talk uh, about I'll this. I'll just show it from Google here. I want to see. It must talk. Point zero six. Yeah, yeah. So if we go back into the Where was it the here, high? Like 60? 64 cents. That's a pretty high up. 90% loss to you Doge investors here. That's pretty up there. Coin was created as a joke. The founder said that. That's all you need to know. Yeah, anybody this, can defend this is it. Where... Do what you want, but you don't buy things. In my opinion, you don't buy things that were created for a joke. You don't put mm -hmm. real money in things that were created for a joke, unless you like losing money. Well, and it I depends. Mean, all the way here with Dogecoin, yes, some initial investors made some money, but there's a hell of a lot more bag holders now than there ever was before. I'm not a fan whatsoever. Well, it depends if you're this guy that uh, hit uh, Elon Musk uh, last week with a $258 billion lawsuit over his support of Dogecoin. So he said that he's still buying the joke uh, Bitcoin rival and will continue to support it. He said, I will continue to support Dogecoin uh, last year. And he actually replying to one of the commenters of his tweet here, I will keep supporting Doge is keep buying it. I am. Um, so uh looks like uh they're coming after him, at least somebody is uh that was I would say duped. Uh that's what they're thinking here by Elon about talking about Doge and saying that it had value when it didn't have any value. And and you've got to just remember with Musk that this is all dropping the bucket fun for him. This is his fun. He's having mm -hmm. fun. He's not putting a hundred, you know, fifty percent of his net worth in Dogecoin. He's got 0.000001% probably if you added up of his net worth. He's having fun, man. And, you know, it's dangerous when people take that and like, well, if Musk supports it, I support it. You know, is he going to come out and price everything in Dogecoin because he thinks it's fun? I mean, that's what they thought, you know, going to the Saturday Night Live skit, but that did not work out. So, anyways, yeah. I think we need to move on. The chat needs to move on. I'm, I would never can put you, real can money. Can you transact in, in anything like this? Can we, can the next yeah, time you we can. talk about, yeah, you, you can, can buy a... You can buy Maverick tickets in Doge. 
Did you know that? Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, you what can about, buy Maverick stickers. What about food? No, that's what about just because gas? What about pay your <laughs> let's, electric Let's stop bill. talking about it. And you know what? I say something negative, and then somebody will be like, oh, man. Yeah, I don't want to start out. And they're all going to start a war. <laughs> yeah, let's, I'll transition this out of here. Let's go back to Elon, though. There's more Elon talk. Wouldn't you know it? Um, let's talk about Tesla. Let's put up Tesla here. Okay. Um, Tesla here, uh, Elon Musk said on Tuesday that the electric vehicle maker is reducing the salary uh, workforce by 10% over the next three months. Um, this is the first time that we're actually getting confirmation of the timeline here for the kind of uh, the workforce reduction here. So um, I think that's the important part here that we're finally getting at least some timeline, but we've already heard of some of these employees already getting fired. So I don't know how this is even... Uh, gonna kind of help or hurt the news today. I've, yeah, I've said it before. I mean, te- yeah. Tesla's come down a long ways, Joel. That's one good thing here. Do you still have your Tesla? Lisa? Very, yeah. Dennis, you know I don't sell anything. No, I would <laughs> love Joel to sell forever. it. So Joel, Joel's been killing. I'm a holder in this. He, very small. Yeah, you bought this. Way. Where did you buy Tesla? Originally? It was before the split. It was probably maybe two fifty three hundred. And the only reason you bought it that. is because I think you give yourself. I think you had this thing at two fifty three hundred before the split. Before the so you're split, in like, yeah. You're like at like fifty bucks. Your average did. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just because we were at Somerset Mall and we were and they actually had a, a, a little store there. You know, yeah, and I they remember. were showing the cars. At least it's like, oh, that's a cool looking car. Let's buy some. Uh, and, and that's what we did. But you know what? This this chart does just look like a healthy chart to you, Dennis. I mean, look at the upper right chart. I mean, we came down to 620 last time. We had an explosive rally. We came down there on Thursday. And I don't know what it's going to do today. But I mean, you got to get the heck out of the way. If, if this thing gets down to six six twenty three oh one was uh, a daily low, and then another daily low at six twenty fifty seven, I mean, where do you go? You go six hundred. You go five hundred after yeah, that. This I is, agree. This if you see this chart would be worried. If I was on this chart, I would be worried. This is a this is not a good looking chart. If not a little good looking chart. This book too. Yeah. So I mean, and we are the only people that do that on the street. 600 to five i agree i think it's got to hold 620 i think if you're long that's your line in the sand if mm-hmm. it takes out the 620 and starts trading 600 i think 500 is then in the cards so i think there's actually a short opportunity not now because it hasn't taken but if that support goes and you see the 620 goes and you start seeing this thing trade 600 i think the 600 to 500 could be a nice swing trade short on tesla I wouldn't buy it here either, just for the simple reason the valuation still nosebleed. It's been held up by S and P, obviously. It's been yes. held up for a number of reasons. We got you know the big Russell rebalance at the end of the week here on Friday in four days as well. Uh, but I think you've given a critical level. So if you are long, go long anything as long as you know where your out is. My out would be below six twenty. And he put his stock up for sale. I mean, he put his he put his stock in the hands of Wall Street, right? Or at least a portion of it with this deal, right? I don't know where the margin call. I don't know if he's getting more money from other people, but basically he put he they have a look on his stock, and the look is on the downside because he will get a margin. Why do you think this deal is trading so far away uh, from the, from the takeout price? I mean, why why would you want to buy a company? That has not been able to perform. Oh, Twitter, are you talking? Yeah. Twitter. I mean, why would he want to do that? I. I and look oh, he me. wants I, out. Don't kid yeah. yourself. He wants out. It's a matter of whether he's going to get sued 
and whether he's going to be forced to swallow it down at 54.20. There, that is a possibility as well. The our risk arms, Twitter does not move. They have priced in a coin flip here. It is on Twitter. We've said 16 up, 38 bucks. If Twitter deal falls apart, I think it falls under 20 because that's just where the market has moved to now. So it's not a matter of Twitter coming back down to 35. The deal does it falls, but the deal falls apart for whatever reason. If he sneaks and finds a way out of this deal, Twitter's a $19 stock. That's well, I can add to that at least from the comments that are out there. Elon Musk saying that he has three issues that need to be resolved before his Twitter buyout can go ahead. First one is, of course, we've heard about it: fake accounts. Second one is debt financing. And third is, of course, shareholder approval because this still needs to be approved, right? I mean, uh, it could, could get knocked down during the approval process. So. Oh, the shareholders are voting yeah, for it. Yeah, right now. You, you don't share- have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Those shareholders are desperate. They're they like, know uh... if this must deal doesn't go through that they're looking at a sub $20 stock potentially. Hey. So it's a coin flip. I don't know how it's going to end. There could be, you know, it could go to court. There's time value money to consider in here too, but it could. They could sue him if he decides to try to get out. You know, you got a binding deal of fifty-four twenty here. You, you know, he's better. You know, find it. I mean, good lawyers can find ways out of things, and they may find the way out. But that's true. But with that being said, <laughs> there's a reason it's thirty-seven dollars, and that's the reason that this deal is highly unlikely to occur at fifty-four twenty. Yeah, that I, my one of my original thoughts was, you know, that the shareholders were gonna, you know, may. Uh, you know, may turn it down, but never. I mean, now just the farther away it goes, and oh, you know, never. Like I said, they're they're they're, they're yeah, begging that this deal goes the through. The easiest sale of my entire investing career was when I had had I was out of half of my Twitter at fifty five. I wrote it all the way back down to whatever thirty, and that deal came out, and it was back in the fifty. And I said, I am out. And that was an E and out. I think you got out like 51, didn't you? Where'd you get out? Like 51 and a half, I think. Oh, they all got the top almost. I, I was like, I, I, it was like, it was like that, like the, uh, it was the, the trade from heaven. And I'm not even that religious, huh. but, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, moving forward. You know, your risk is if, uh, if you buy it. And, um, I don't, why not just pay the bill? I mean, what's a bill to him right now? I, th- I think it's more, the um the fun in the games of it, it all you know? a lot of it's it fun. is all it's fun. fun for him he this is billionaire fun right there and we know he likes to publicly have fun talking dogecoin doing this twitter he thought that would be fun too to own a lot of this is for fun but it's serious money now and now he's looking he's watched his tesla stock get basically cut in half and he started thinking wow i'm putting serious money into this i mean if i was him i would have buyer's remorse too he overpaid he knows he overpaid. He's going to try to get a discounted price or get out of the deal. It's a matter of whether he can, and I'm not sure he can or cannot. I don't know. All right. All let's right. Go ahead. Let's, let's keep her moving. Away from Elon. Yes, I said away yes. from Elon. Let's go ahead. Let's what talk some other news he? here. Uh, about he, he, he might not be eating the Kellogg's group, uh, but let's go to the Kellogg's. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, today, of course, uh, Kellogg's announcing to split into three independent companies here. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Today announced that with its board of directors have approved a plan to separate its North America cereal and plant-based food businesses via tax-free spinoff, resulting in three independent public companies 
each better, of course, to position to unlock their full standalone potentials. The three companies whose name would be determined later would be the following, the Global Snack Company with about $11.4 billion in net sales. You got the North American Cereal Company, which is about $2.4 billion in net sales. And then, of course, the Plant Co., uh, Plant Co., which would be about $340 million in net sales here. Uh, Kellogg's jumping about 8.1% in pre-market trading. Uh, let's pay attention and see what happens now to Kellogg's group here. Uh, what are you guys thinking? Do you guys like Kellogg's? Well, first of all, where and Dennis might know the answer. People on uh, the internet don't look it up. Where is Kellogg domiciled? Where is its world headquarters? Mm. I'm just gonna guess. I'm here. guessing Michigan, but I'm yeah, guess yeah, Michigan you go. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to I, guess I know Michigan where it is. There. I'm pretty sure I know where it is. Is it? I don't know. Is it, uh, Grand Rapids? No, Close. go lower. Lower. Yeah, yeah. Lower. Further south. Battle right. Creek. BC. BC. Battle Michigan. Creek, Michigan. I don't think <laughs> I even knew that city. I gotta be honest. Gotta learn my uh, Michigan. I I went there. I don't know if there was like a concert or a hockey game or I don't know what I watched there once, but I remember seeing the Kellogg's. Of course, if I it was a hockey time. game. I want to go there in Battle Creek. That sounds like a good place. To have I don't know if it was a hockey. It couldn't have been a hockey game. It must have been like a show or something. I don't know why I was in Battle Creek, but well, I you was. can go tour. Oh, I think it was. They must have an odd tour. I think I saw Alan Jackson in Battle Creek. Is that possible? Do they have like a big concert hall, Battle Creek, Joel? I've only they must been have there. something. I'm pretty sure I saw Alan Jackson in Battle Creek, Michigan, I've only not been to like the 15 there. years ago. Anyways, yeah. we really, you know, this is a real. You know, let's bring it back. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think about this pop, Dennis? Uh, wow, well, you know what I think. Pop. I know what you think. I know what you call it, Joel. Joel call it what you call it. it is what Financial it is. engineering. And, yes, yeah. it is. And, and here's page seven of our textbook. If we ever wrote a book. When you're in a bear market and you have a company that does financial engineering and the company pops 8%, it's only up 6% now, on the, that financial engineering, what do you do? You sell it. <laughs> That's just my opinion. I would hammer the bids on Kellogg on this. I mean, it's going to be popped. If it got to 75, I actually think it's a short. So I don't know, 72, 73. Get a hold on for a couple days. It could. Do I think it's eventually going back down? I do because we're in a bear market. We're in a bull market. Different story. Bear market financial engineering equals sell. My opinion. Well, uh, just to kind of mention it here. I mean, uh, the inflation is definitely getting a little bit closer towards my frosted flakes. Uh, I've been seeing it now at $6. Um, it's definitely gone up there. So uh, looks like I'm going to have to start going to the knockoff brand and take off the frosted. Oh, but- gosh. <laughs> Knock off frosted flakes are not good. Joe, what do you see on the charts for us? Uh, well, I'll just give you, I mean, we've all, this is like the easy stuff to give you. You got to take out the pre-market high, right? That's the most important thing. The pre-market high comes in at 73.52. Um, and then what do you do? You go to your dailies and you go, what happened around this area before? Oh, and only had four, five highs in this area uh, back in mid-May. So price has a little bit of memory. Uh, and if, and I'll just say, all right, so let's say, you know, you think, all right, man, these guys are nuts. This is great for the company. You're going to lock this value. Well, if you want to buy it, I, I wouldn't buy it today. I, I, I would wait. 
Um, will it come all the way back down and fill the gap here at uh, <coughs> 68, 68 and a quarter? Huh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe eventually. Uh, 68.35 is where it needs to come down to. Uh, but that, that's what I would, I mean, first things first, take out the pre-market high. And if it doesn't look for it to drift back, there was a lot of re- support at 70. So maybe if you're, you know, you want to dip your toe in a short or something, it did have three highs at 70, but I think we've seen gonna, this trick before. Oh, we have, I think we're going to look back at Kellogg's in six months and stock's going to be significantly lower. I'm going to say what a gift that was at $72. I like a gift to sell. That's what I think we're going to be saying. I mean, the PE isn't crazy. It's a food stock. It's defensive. It's not going like 40 bucks. I mean, the downsides, you know, this is a lower beta stock. The downside's like 60. That's where the huge support is. I mean, so maybe we're like, if we really do an ugly bear market and start selling everything, emergence gets squeezed a bit. Kellogg's is $60. So it's not like it's going to collapse. But at the same time, when you've got a low beta stock popping 6.68% in the bear market. Do you eat cereal? Well, more people oh. do in a recession, Joel. I'll so there's a what, point Joel. there. <laughs> they do well in a recession. <laughs> uh, we'll see if this market can get a little snack crackle pop today. A little, yeah. little Rice crispy action going into it. All right, let's go ahead. It's time to get into our guest interview of the day. If you guys didn't catch it on Twitter, we're about to jump on in here with Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist and Portfolio Manager, Hightower Advisors. You guys do me the favor. Let's start it up with some likes. I see about 225. There should be at least 800 here. Over 1,700 watching. Let's dive into today's interview and bring on Stephanie. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right. How we doing, Stephanie? Good morning, guys. How you doing? The most important question of the day. What did you have for breakfast? (laughs) I had crystal light (laughs) in my Pellegrino. That's about it. Oh, no frosted (laughs) flakes. No, No, it's funny. You guys were talking about um, Kellogg and I just, it just kind of brought me back to 
how many companies have we heard this year alone that have split up, right? And they're trying to create shareholder value. I know it's, you guys were saying financial engineering. I call it, this is a very challenging macro environment and companies are trying to do stuff to, to, to create this shareholder value. So it's either spins because we've had Kellogg's, yeah. we've had J&J, we've had yeah. GE, we had XPO. That's just a couple of them. And then this morning, we just had Diamondback Energy announce like the third special dividend this morning. So we can kind of dive into anything you like. But I was just thinking that companies are really trying to uh, do what they can instead of being at the mercy of what the macro is, which is so darn confusing. confusing Dennis, we got to learn from her. I mean, she just put it so much more nicely. <laughs> than put we a bow did. on it. A bow on it, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're rough around the edges here on this show, so it's nice when you come put the nice bow on. But it's true. I mean, it's not just, you know, splits. It's they're doing different things, special dividends. They're trying different things to try to support the stock prices because – and it, and it seems like I'm sure there's some CEOs out there that the companies are doing fairly well, like a Diamondback Energy, where the company is doing very well in this environment. But they watched the stock fall last week, 25% of falls here in three-week period. And they're like, what's up? So yeah. they're like, well, let's do something to try to support the price back. So, I mean, it's got to be frustrating when, you know, there's certain businesses that aren't doing well. But when your business is actually doing pretty good still and you're watching your stock price fall, it's got to be frustrating to be on that board. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's... The most important thing that I look at when looking at stocks, and you know, there's a lot of metrics that we all look at, right? Whether it's fundamental, technical, quant, whatever. Um, but it's it's these companies that generate free cash flow. Uh, then they have the flexibility to do whatever they want to do. And when you have something like a Diamondback Energy, or let's just even take Exxon because that was upgraded today. Sure. Uh, it's these companies are doing all that they can with this free cash flow. They mint money because their break evens are at forty dollar oil, forty to fifty dollar oil. So even if oil were to fall back, they have so much flexibility. But getting back to Kellogg's for half a second, I actually think that what Mondelez is doing this morning is even more interesting in terms okay. of. Uh, buying the cliff bar because you asked about what people are eating who eats cereal well i think people eat bars more than they're eating cereals it's quicker and easier in a fast world where people are on the go so much i just grab a cliff bar and i'm going so i yeah. don't have to worry about getting up 10 minutes earlier to make breakfast i literally <laughs> just grab, grab a cliff bar and i'm out the door so i agree stephanie <laughs> they're pretty good those cliff bars have you had them they're not yeah. bad they're, they're i live good. off those things <laughs> it's just i live on <laughs> No lie, that's that's a that's a breakfast for me. That's called the balanced breakfast, the Cliff Bar. <laughs> well, you know, so, the stock is trading at about twenty times earnings. It's not it's not super cheap, but you know, I look at the dividend yield and and at uh, at about two point three percent. I mean, you know, it's kind of like you guys said in a tough environment. You don't necessarily need to chase higher. That, that's not this market we're in. In fact, in fact, yeah. you're actually trimming into the strength in, yeah. in this kind of a market. Um, but you do need some of these steady eddies, right? That will be able to hang in there, uh, even if business does go soft a little bit because of a potential recession or just a slowdown in general. But you do need to balance it out. You can't have all fangs. You can't have all uh, dime back energies, right? So, Stephanie, but let me ask you about uh, today because I, I find days like 
you know, today where you have, well, the three-day weekend, right? So there's a trading going on on Sunday and Monday. And I would, you know, I looked at the close, you know, I looked at the, the levels for the week. And, you know, if we would have opened up flat, you know, I could say, hey, you know, here's a, a lower risk, you know, long entry. We had the nice rally on Monday continued. I find these days, and I, I know and I'm going to try and translate this in the long term. Like, what do you, I mean, man, you don't want to have buyer's remorse. Oh, I should have bought on Thursday. I should have bought on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these big down markets, yeah, it's, you know, it's tempting to buy the dip because you find out like really quickly if you're wrong. But on days like this, like, you know, do, do you say, okay, I'm just going to stick with my levels from last week. I'm going to wait for the stocks to come back to me. Or, you know, do you get a little, and I know it's not the chasing environment, but I just want to see how you approach days like this from a longer term perspective. Yeah, I mean, I really think, and it's a really good question, Joel, but I I really think this is a a different kind of year and this is a different environment. There are people out there that have been running money that have never seen inflation to this extent, nor have they seen a Fed that is so behind the curve and they're not even at neutral yet. And I thought that their comments last week in terms of what their projections are are for 2023, super confusing. How do they get to a core inflation number of 2.7% yet at the same time have real GDP at almost 2%? I just don't think they're going to be able to engineer uh, the the inflation side of the equation. They'll slow things down. They can, they definitely can. And they already, we're already seeing that in kind of in housing and auto and that sort of thing. Uh, But we were already, we we were always going to slow down in 2022 because we knew that the Fed was, now starting to be less accommodative. Now they're going to be more restrictive, and they're not even at—they're uh, not even at neutral, as I mentioned. So there's a lot of gives and takes, puts and takes, rather uh, this year. And I think it's not the kind of year where you want to chase. I just don't think you have to. But to your point, absolutely, you have to have levels. So on Friday, I bought a new position. I bought Nike. Now you're going to tell me that, oh my goodness, it's China, it's a consumer, it's goods, it's not services. Okay, I got it. But the stock is down 35% year to date and it's trading at the low end of its range. Same thing like Starbucks. You have Howard Schultz going back into that company and he's going to stay on the board even when they have a new CEO. That is a, an interesting story to me because yeah, again, it's also China, it's consumer, it's discretionary, everybody hates it. But I feel like the pendulum has swung so extreme on everybody knows about services and how everyone's going to restaurants and how everyone's going out to eat and to the movies, myself included, we just got back from a trip Um, So I get that. But everybody knows that piece of it. And everybody now hates consumer and we're never going to buy a one other thing in our lifetime. So I think you want to be careful, though, and look for opportunities. That's just one example. And so to me, I make my levels and Nike and Starbucks got to my levels. I am underweight technology. I'm looking to add to technology, but I I do worry in the semiconductor world that we're seeing double and triple ordering. We're starting to get a little bits and pieces of that. That's uh, we're we're starting here from some of the the Asian companies. Um, I don't know when it happens, but it's going to happen. If Target and Walmart can double and triple order, then the semiconductors can double and triple order as well. But there will be opportunities. And so that's how I approach a day like today, a day like Friday. I mean, if I get my looks, if I get my levels, I will definitely nibble. I don't think you have to go all in. And you don't have to be all in your all over your skis in sectors and in stocks at this point. Just be patient. 
All right. Now you give us a lot there. Nike, you mentioned, uh, I think it's a great one to kind of focus here. We've been seeing companies like Mondelez spending, you know, more than a billion trying to get kind of some growth drivers. Could you also see maybe Nike jumping in in MMA? I know that we've talked about uh, potentially maybe Peloton coming into play with Nike. Do you think Nike is willing to step up here at this time? I think they certainly would if they saw the right opportunity. Um, I don't know about Peloton specifically only because I don't know what Peloton even is. Sorry about that, guys. Getting no worries. Um, the, I don't even know what Peloton's model is, and they've changed mm-hmm. it three different times. So can a, could a Nike go in there and fix it and, 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 and have it part of the company and, and change again kind of strategy? Possibly, but they do have the free cash flow, as we talked about, and they do have the number one brand in the industry. And so they have the flexibility to do whatever it is that they want to do. Um, and, and I think that um, they definitely will be, whether it's a really big deal or tuck-in deals, they've been, um, you know, they've been notorious for doing small deals um, and trying to grow the base business at the same time. So um, I, I think they will if they see the right opportunity, for sure. Now so you mentioned- I want to go back to something you said about patience. And here is, you know, something that I think too many newer investors just simply don't have the patience because, I mean, let's be honest, in the last five, seven years, if you've been buying the dip, you've been making money. And, you know, it's been like learned behavior where investors come in, newer investors come in, they say, okay, stocks go back 20%. It's going to come back eventually and I'm going to make money. And there are still people out there that, you know, I bought Square at $150 and it's 60 bucks here this morning. And they're like, well, that's okay because stock come back eventually. I'll get my money back in a year or two. Well, the market, yeah, eventually, if we hold on long enough, eventually comes back, but certain stocks might not. And I mean, this is, you know, the patience thing that you're talking about. I think there's so many people that say, like, how do you not buy Square at $60? Or how do you not just jump in here? But and talk about, you know, how, how, how you manage, you know, your, I mean, we all have FOMO to a certain extent. You see the stock coming down, you're like, oh, I've got to buy the cheap. But talk about how you manage that and how you can remain patient, even in an environment where it looks like everything's on sale. Yeah, no, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's been a really hard, challenging year. And, and just to, you know, my benchmark is the S&P 500, just to be, be beating it, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's great to be beating on a relative basis, but I'm still down too, right? So it doesn't feel yeah. good, right? It's it's like you're 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 winning by losing. Mm, I don't really like that strategy. <laughs> so, um, but it is what it is, right? And I'm a long only manager. So I do stay very much focused on the fundamentals. I try to tune out the noise. And if that means turn off the TV for, for a couple hours or just skip through Barron's and wait for a day or two to take a deep breath and then get to it or uh, listen to, listening to you guys and, and just listening to the three of you banter back and forth because huh. that kind of helps, right? I mean, um, I, uh, I you just heard my phone ring and that was my partner and, and he and I talk about 10 times a day. And we just try to kind of suss out what's happening and what I'm thinking, what he's thinking. I think the more people that you can find uh, as uh, as colleagues to talk about the markets with, that helps. But at the end of the day, it really is fundamentals. And it does come back to, can you find the quality on sale? That, I mean, that's my strategy, right? I mean, I'm a GARP investor, growth at a reasonable price. So if I can get number one or number two in the industry, in any industry that is down 20, 30, 40%. That is what was happening in March of 2020. And so that is when I was buying 
pretty aggressively. It didn't feel good. I was pre pre pretty much under my desk pressing the, the, the trade button. And that's kind of the way it feels now on these really ugly days. I mean, we talked about Diamondback. I own that in size and was amazed at the reaction and how quickly things can turn. But I do know that the fundamentals are there. The free cash flows are there. The market share numbers are there. And the management teams are super important to get to know and understand. And while we are all lucky because we can have access to CEOs from time to time, you certainly can listen to conference calls. The quarterly conference calls, conferences, you can even, even go to conferences now, right? But it's, it's, it's as easy as getting on a Zoom and listening to what the companies have to say and getting comfortable on a regular basis uh, in, in quarter in and quarter out uh, to see how they are executing. And it's not just the CEO and CFO, it's also the bench and, and who who's at the bench. So, so I, I mentioned Wells Fargo. So Charlie Scharf is the CEO of Wells Fargo. He's been there a little over two years. He has changed his executive leadership team and he has brought in 18 new people that he can re rely on and trust because he's worked with them in the past. And so getting to know them and getting to know how they are executing and how they're being really synergistic within e with, with each other is super important. And so those, those are the kinds of things I look for. And then, of course, I always look for margin opportunities. If there's a restructuring happening, are margins really depressed for some reason? Can they raise price? And that kind of thing. So um, there's a lot of factors to consider when, when, when looking at the, the individual stocks. But you kind of have to tune out the, the macro noise and just focus on fundamentals and trust that your fund that your that your judgment is is the right is the right call. I just want last thing. Uh, I just want to ask you about like uh, you know alternative investments. I know your your equities, and we know what the bonds market is doing. And people say you know the the best kind of hedge is you know is cash. I mean, there is competition for stocks right now, right? There used to be no alternative, but there are. Are there any you know fixed rate? I know with inflation, you're still losing money. Uh, you know, in any fixed rate investments, but like, is there anything where you're, you know, with the cash that you have before you deploy it? Is there, is there any way you're parking it or you just keep it under your mattress? Well, no, I, I wouldn't put it under my mattress. I would always have a little bit of cash and I do have a little bit extra cash just given the volatility in the equities markets. Cause I think, I think there's more opportunities on the equity side. Cause as we all know that the long-term total return in the S and P 500 is 10%. It's not 28%, which is what it was the last three years. And it certainly isn't down 30%, which it is this year, right? Or 20% this year. So the the you have to, um, I mean, I always like to have a little extra cash during uncertain times so I can de deploy where I feel comfortable. Fixed income, I would, I mean, I don't know. We haven't been able to get a yield on fixed income on the short end for years. And so to me, I think short duration sort of looks interesting. I don't want to go all in on the bond market. But I do think that there's an opportunity there uh, with, uh, you know, where the 10 years at and, and, and below. Um, and alternatives, I think there are a lot of opportunities in private credit and in hedge fund of funds. Um, and it's the number one question I get from our, our advisors uh, on a regular basis is what are what are some of the best and some of the brightest um, managers in alternatives. And so, in fact, we just hired a head of alternatives for my investment solutions team. So um, I think there are definitely some opportunities there. I think that the most important thing is you wanna be diversified. Um, people ask me all the time about, oh, international 
equities is, is really interesting because they're cheap. Well, guess what? International equities are always cheap relative to the U.S. We know. And we know why, right? Because we know the lack of transparency. And we also know that international, especially in Europe or the developing countries, they just don't have um, the opportunities to do restructurings and to be kind of lean and and they can't they can't pivot as quickly um, because of, of regulations uh, overseas. So in, on the developed side and emerging, we know. I mean, my goodness, you can wake up one day and all of a sudden China decides they don't want you to survive. So to me, you want to have exposure, but I still think U.S. is the best place to be. And uh, and now you're getting the best place to be on sale. Stephanie, just before. Um... We let you go here. Let's get a couple more of those GARP picks from you. People in the chat are asking, you like Nike here. I'm a growth at a reasonable price kind of person as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I'm sitting with some cash in my long-term portfolio too. So I'd love a couple other stock picks that you, you know, feel that there's value here. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, uh, as I mentioned, I I really do like this turnaround at Starbucks, but you're going to have to stay patient. Right, because turnarounds take a really long time. Yeah. Um, I, uh, but I do think that you have an analyst day at Starbucks coming up uh, in September, and that'll be a nice catalyst. And he's got twenty billion dollars to spend, by the way. That he was going, they were going to buy back stock over the next three years and use that twenty billion to do it. Now they removed the buyback, and he's got twenty billion that he can invest in people, places, and things. And by the way, I really do think they need to upgrade food. And so I would not be surprised to see them move in that in that direction. Um, I, I like some beaten down names, guys. I mean, this is going to surprise you, but I like I like Win Resorts. I mean, it's a China play again. It's Macau, but 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 Macau has fallen so substantially uh, over the last two three years that it really is only a much smaller position for them at about twenty five percent of EBITDA. The rest of their business is Las Vegas and Boston, and those are humming and they're doing quite well. And they've got about three billion in, in liquidity. Um, I uh, I really like TJX. If you think about any of the uh, retailers in this past quarter, it was a disaster across the board, other than at Costco and TJX. TJX actually raised their margins. Remember when I talked about margins and seeing upside? Um, I, I do think um, they have pricing power, believe it or not. They have traffic. Uh, I do my channel checks every once in a while, and it's a mob scene. Um, and people like the treasure hunt and to get back out and about. And if we are in a recession, people want to get a discount um, for sure. Um, I just recently bought another consumer name, Estee Lauder, uh, because that stock was down at, at one point, almost 35%. And I think that uh, if we've learned anything from Ulta or Elf in terms of their earnings, beauty is back and cosmetics is back. And I do think a lot of that has to do with masks are done. Right. And yeah. people have to go back and it's not just makeup, but it's also cleaning and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, my 15 year old can confirm that demand is alive and well in the cosmetics um, front. Um, I mentioned Wells Fargo. I like Wells Fargo a lot. I mentioned. Um, uh, well, I, I'll just tell you the other name I like that's actually down a lot in the last week is American Express. Um, I think that their delinquencies and charge-offs actually declined year over year. Now, that's not to say that in a recession they won't rise. They will. But I think they're very well capitalized, and I think they've been forced. In fact, the entire banking industry, has have we, they've been forced to have excess amount of capital on hand. Um, and I think that you want to stay on the high end in terms of the exposure uh, in the kind of credit card, debit card world. Um, I recently uh, added to John Deere. Um, that stock has held up remarkably well uh, within the industrials, but I'm a very yeah. big fan of the ag 
of the ag market and precision farming is what they're doing. It's a technology and it's really cool. Like go online and like, and just, just put in the search ticker precision technology farming. And it is going to make this company so incredibly efficient and it's helping the farmers be more efficient and productive as well. And so I also think they have pricing power and technology. As I mentioned, I'm underweight. I'm suffering with meta. So I want to shoot my head, my, shoot myself, but I do think over the next two to three years, you will make money on that name, especially at these levels, because I think the valuation is extremely compelling. And again, free cash flow, $50 billion buyback. Um, it's very attractive to me. So all these charts look so ugly of all the names I'm talking about. So I'm very mindful of That's that. That's all of them. They all look ugly, but it's okay. <laughs> so, well, the only ones that probably look good are energy and materials, right? And I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. double my benchmark in energy and I'm uh, double my benchmark in, in materials. Materials is still so small in the S&P 500. So uh, it's not a huge bet, but Dow, I like Dow, I like Freeport. Um, all the names that you're not going to want to own if you if we have a recession, but I do think the free cash flow will help them and, and will bail them out this go round. Well, thank you for joining us. Like always, Stephanie Link here, Chief Investment Strategist and Portfolio Manager at the Hightower Advisors. And if you guys want to go ahead and add her on Twitter, you guys can look in the description below. Click the link and give her a follow. Thank you for coming on, Stephanie, right here on Pre-Market Prep. Appreciate you, and we'll definitely have you back. Thanks, guys. Thanks have a good me. week. All right, guys, let's keep it going there. Stephanie bringing the fire. A lot of Lots picks, of good picks. there. Yeah, that's yeah. What, and the that's value. I like for. the I mean, value trade. And now, long term, I'm a value type of guy. I wrote down a bunch of those names there when she was spitting them out. I'm just like just writing them down because that's what you got to do. Yeah, I, I'm sitting with that cash. I'm like, I'm going to put it to work <laughs> here eventually. And there's a couple good names. Like when I've had, you know, I've had a few of these. I've obviously sold them because I've been worried about you know this market. So I've raised a lot of cash, but I had win in there at one time. I've owned Wells Fargo before. You know, I've had Nike in there before. I don't own any of those. But would I reload at a certain level? For sure. But I just don't know if we're at those levels yet. Yeah, definitely something to keep on watch. Uh, do you want to touch uh, Lennard right quick before we get on out of here? Let's do it. Of course. All right. Let's go into it. That's our earnings on the day here. Let's get into the Q2 adjusted EPS of $4.69, beating the $3.98 estimate. Money Sales makers, at $8.36 billion, beating a $8.11 billion estimate. And uh, we got some comments here in the earnings here. Uh, they said that the, while our second quarter results demonstrate strength and excellence performance throughout the quarter, the weight of a rapid doubling interest rates over six months, together with accelerated price appreciation, began to drive buyers in many markets to pause and reconsider. Oh, yeah, we begin we to about. see these effects at after the quarter end. The Fed's uh, stated determination to curtail uh, inflation through interest rate increases and quantitative tightening have begun to have desired effects on the slowing sales in some markets and stalling price increases across the country. The home builders have been value traps. They are still value traps. There is This is like low-hanging fruit for the recession in the, in the way that this will have demand destruction coming for it. I know better than anyone. You know I've been building that house for the last year. It's almost done. My builder, I was supposed to build a shop along with it too. The builder was like, oh, when are we starting the shop? I'm like, no. I'm like, I know what's happening here. You know, I'm going to be holding off, you know, and spending, you know, at, at peak pricing here. I couldn't do anything on my house because I was in the middle of it. But I'm not going to go forward, you know, and start and do other projects right now. 
the pause, exactly what they're talking about. So it's not a matter of these projects won't happen. It's a matter of, well, if, you know, the prices of materials is sky high, you know, and you can see what's kind of going on around us in the stock market, eventually some of these prices may come in. So I think you're right. I think it's the pause. Are the home builders going to be buys eventually? Yeah, they're not going out of business. There's still going to be homes being built. But it's not this, you know, 2%, you know, mortgage environment anymore and, you know, free money and everybody's just, you know, living the dream and building their dream home. It's just not there. So, I mean, for the majority of people, obviously the rich people can always do what they want, but for the majority of people out there, it's not going to be that easy. I'm telling you, new cars, new homes, stuff like that is not where I want to be right now, especially if we go into a recession. Yeah, uh, I'll just go drill down on the charts here, and it got to pop, and it got to uh, it got to fr- uh, Thursday's high, and now you're fading. That's not a good thing. The pre market high comes in on the headline number at sixty seven eighty two, but I wouldn't make that my focus. My focus number early in the session would be sixty seven twenty seven. That was your high. If you cannot get back in that area and start to work your way towards 68 could easily get a gap fill in this one. The top of the range from Friday was 6544. Uh fundamentally I I haven't drilled down in, in my in my research. I think that these these builders of these mammoth homes, you know, just these monstrosities, these big homes. Uh, I'd, I'd be I'd be really shying away from them. I think there's going to need for housing. I think you have smaller families. I think smaller know, homes. Actually, yeah. When, when the housing that's market coming. comes back. Yeah. That's what I would think. And I'm not sure which, which builders are, you know, uh, do that. But I mean, if you know, these 10, 20, 30,000 square foot homes like Dennis's house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. taken long enough. Yeah, but um, all right, guys. I'm glad to be back. I just, I just want to just do a do a big, big thank you uh, to everybody. Um, I got a lot of uh, uh, tweets and emails and stuff and comments on YouTube. Uh, my family is doing extremely well, uh, just because my wife is just tough as nails, and uh, you know she's helped prepare the family and helped us got through everything. So thank you to everybody. Um, and as I used to say to my mother, yeah, I used to always say hi to her. I go, how's my favorite uh, mother-in-law? And she would respond, Lisa's her only daughter. She would say, how's my favorite son-in-law? So uh, we had a good time joking around. So thanks for the condolences. I'm back and uh, talk to you guys later on. Hey, you guys, get on over to Pre-Market Prep Plus where you'll have Joe Alcondon going through some picks. So definitely check that on out. Uh, what's, you ready for this market today, my friend? You ready, Dennis? I'm always ready. I'm always mean, ready. That's what I want to hear. I mean, I'm obviously always doing the herb and I'm in and out of trades and, you know, I'm short term. So obviously I wear the two hats I'm day trading, overnight trading. And then I've got my long term you know, investment account, which we talk about a lot. The long term investment accounts getting hit because it's long only just like Stephanie. I mean, I've the 45 percent cash help because it's not getting hit as much. But I tell you that 55 percent of stocks is like, ooh, don't look at those. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough so, one out there. The trading the trading has been a very good trading year. I mean, the volatility is there. You know, in my trading account, I stay market neutral. And what does that mean? It means I have equal longs, equal shorts, trying to match the betas up, almost trying to stay beta neutral at times as well. So, I mean, the individual moves on the overall market should not dictate, you know, 
my performance. I'm not up on up days and down on down days. It's more just taking advantage of market inefficiencies and inefficient pricing. And you know that that stuff, that's strategies that I've talked about on the show before. You want to learn more about them? They're at premarketprep.com under our educational tab. So um, we've talked about that stuff. We can do more of the of talk about that too. But we do talk about that. It's you know confusing to some people to you know talk about trading market neutral, but you know, if I've got a stock, I'm bullish. I'm just shorting a little spy against it just in case the market collapses. So I'm trying to extract that alpha from that relative performance. So this is Dennis. This is the market. Baby shark. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Dennis. Shy, you have a good one, man. Go yeah. have a great day and kill it like you usually do. See you, we'll go ahead and continue right here on Benzinga. Like always, we got up next live trading with benzinga zunaid lord ryan and of course money mitch will be getting after it so you guys do me the favor if you guys enjoyed today's pre-market prep hit the like button if you're watching on somewhere else and you got this on a mute just take a second give us some love that we deserve and really i, I want you guys to tell us what did you guys think we had a great show today we brought on stephanie link chief investment strategist and portfolio manager at hightower advisors we talked about the dead cat bounce bullard's comments elon's dodge tesla layoffs kellogg's into three lennar earnings we touched it all this morning so do us the favor and return the love by just smashing up that like button hit the subscribe if this is your first time here and like always if you hit that bell you'll be notified the moment we go live up next, we got live trading. After that, Ben's, uh, we got some Benzinga live. Then we'll get into, of course, none other than stock market movers. I got some great uh, guests on later today. We'll talk about the market and how we're developing in throughout the day. That's our brand new show with, of course, stock market movers. Going into, of course, some roadmap action. So I'll see you guys like always. Let's keep it going right here. Spring, nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.